Welcome to Fifth Draw Wild, everybody. I'm your host, Matt, and we're doing intros like this now because the other way was taking up too much time that I don't have. Uh, this <laughs> week, this week we are joined once again by Christina Woods. Christina, welcome back. Thank you, Matt. Good to be back. Now, this week we're doing something a little different. You presented this idea to us, and I loved it. Uh, so it means we're going to have to have you on to do Web Comics Part 2 sometime in the future. Uh, so, Christina, tell us what you're doing okay. this week. Well, a uh, little bit of backstory here is that uh, the day before uh, we're recording this, uh, Matt asked me if I wanted to record. And I was all set to go with uh, different, like, I was set to go with Web Comics Part 2, which will be coming in the future. But uh, I, as I was, you know, in the shower, I had a shower thought, which was, what if I instead talked about uh, video games that I've never played, but still really like, despite never having played them? Or maybe in spite of never having played them. Yeah, this is an amazing idea. I dig this so much, because this is just like, what a good concept. I'm ne I never even would have thought, yes. So we're doing this, and... Um, Christina, you got some bangers on this list. You got some proper bangers on this list. I do, because uh, partially because the only really video game experience that I have is pretty much playing like Super Smash Brothers and some Zelda and like the entirety of the Pokemon series. So that means I have a whole world of like all the all the like PC games, pretty much every console game that's not a Nintendo platform. And whole wide world out there for me to not play and then talk about. Oh yeah, uh, this is this is going to be great fun. I mean, you chose the important games at least. Zelda and Pokemon. Come on, that's that's just a gimme. That's just the good stuff. So, where are we starting? Okay, well, we're going to be starting today with Overwatch. Oh, this should be fun. I know nothing about this game except that there's a lot of fan art for it. I don't know an awful lot about it either. Uh but uh, here's what I do know about Overwatch from a layman's perspective. Uh, as far as I know, Overwatch is a uh, primarily PC-based game, but you probably can play it on Macs too, um, that is uh, heavily player-versus-player-based games um, with a no real plot really like in the video game itself. It's pretty much just like go online and beat people up. But there is a plot that's established through character-related and character-focused videos. And I think there's a graphic novel out, too, about establishing, like, plot behind Overwatch. And, okay. of course, lots of people with... Lots of people making fan art of it. And I've seen a lot of, especially, like, Hanzo and McCree fan art. Which is the cowboy voiced by Matt Mercer. And the Japanese archer guy with a dragon sleeve tattoo... Uh, who always... Oh, no, wait, shoot. Genji is the one who always needs uh, healing. The rabbit guy. Yeah, I think that's it. So that's what I know about Overwatch. You just said a whole lot of words, and I'm not sure any of them actually made sense, because I've never played Overwatch. Uh, I was playing Destiny when Overwatch came out, and that was my personal uh, shooter game that had no story flavor. Um so I just kind of like gave Overwatch a pass, and then I was in Scotland. Yeah. So you were in Scotland I, I with this... terrible Wi-Fi. Oh yeah, that was that was a whole thing. Um, but I feel like I just had like this gaping like black hole in my knowledge of this thing that the 
like my Twitter feed especially is just massively taken by sometimes, so. I could probably do a quick rundown of the rest of the characters, of what I know of them. Oh, this this is going to be very fun for people that know Overwatch, so yes. let's do this. And for those of you that do play Overwatch and enjoy Overwatch, forgive me if I make any errors. Um, so as best as I can tell, there's like two main factions, well, maybe three main factions in Overwatch. There's the good guys, and then there's like the four, like the four or five person like goth squad, which went like super rogue at some point, I think, before the game started. Okay. Um, on the good guys, there's uh, there's Diva, who is, I think she's Korean, and she's like a pop star that rides in a mech suit, and her theme is like, essentially kind of like Sanrio mascots in like blue and pink and white, and at some point she can get in the game, she can get kicked out of her mech suit, and then it's just her little human form running around without much armor on it. And people have to chase her down. Um, there's, I think he, there's Soldier. I think he's like Soldier 76. Uh, everyone says that he has a flat butt and he used to be human, but now he's more of a cyborg without emotions. But everyone ships him with Reaper, um, who is one of the bad guys. Um, there is Zarya, who is, I think she is... She's somewhere. She's from somewhere in Eastern Europe, and she is extremely buff and tall, and uh, seems like a really nice person. Um, there is uh, Ner- Mercy, who is a nurse that ha- that has like angel wings, and her whole thing is like her ultimate attack is like resurrecting people, but. She got an update recently where she's now more hardcore, I think. Um, I don't know if they're on the good guys, but there's a duo that's from, like, Australia and, like, New Zealand, maybe. Um, Junkrat and I think his name's Roadhog. Junkrat's the skinny guy with, like, crazy, like, Victor the Powder Merchant hair. Uh, who can turn into a tire with spikes on it to attack people. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Uh, and Roadhog is a big buff guy with, like, a big belt who can, like, throw bombs. Um, there's uh, Farah, who is, I, I think she's, yeah, she's Egyptian. And she can fly. I think on the good guys, there's her mom, whose thing is essentially shooting people with, like, healing, like, shooting people with, like, healing syringes. Who else is on overwatch um i know there's uh oh lucio who is i think he's brazilian because there was a lot of stuff with him going on with like the olympics last year i think and he's essentially like a dj on roller skates apparently um and then with the bad guys there's reaper who is a goth dad that wears like a crow skull for a mask um Oh, there was Symmetra. She's a good guy. Uh, she's got like a cyborg arm and she's like an architect or something. And the bad guys, there's um, there's a hacker girl. There's someone who's a, there's a lady who's like, whose theme is spiders. And then there's the guy, Doomfist, who's voiced by Terry Crews. And he's essentially just a big buff puncher guy. 
And I th- okay. think that's the cast. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a pretty good cast. Yeah. Okay. So what else is it about Overwatch that, that kind of, that you enjoy? Well, I think Overwatch has a lot of really great, like, character designs with a lot of player versus player games. It's a lot of like, oh, well, it's the same, it's the same guy holding a gun, but reskinned. And then you have like two women, both in incredibly sexualized outfits and mm-hmm. that don't get to do a lot. But in Overwatch, there's a good variety of like body types and like there's, I think there's a pretty equal ratio of like male, or at least a pretty good ratio of like male, of like male characters uh to female characters and that and i know that and they have a lot of different cultures portrayed too in overwatch like there's um like they've got people from they've got a couple different characters who are african they've got a couple who are japanese there's one there's uh there's like someone there's someone from eastern europe there's someone from the wild west that's the cowboy voiced by matthew mercer um and so they've they've got a lot of great art with a lot of good representation, um, which is something that I, as a creator, appreciate very much. And it seems like, for the most part, they have a lot of really unique and, like, separate skill sets, too. It's not just like, oh, well, like, the shooters are all pretty much the same. It's like, no, well, there's the one shooter who's more of a traditional, like, stick them up hold them up guy and then there's another shooter who's essentially like an like an arcade gamer and like okay. the and the brawler people are like there's the lady who does punching and then there's the guy who has essentially like a giant rocket fist and like the healers like there's the lady who flies around and then there's the grandma who sits on rooftops and shoots people for healing and and i'm sure there's probably a male healer too i'm just not remembering him because i've never played the game before you're going to hear me say that okay. a lot. <laughs> yeah, get used to that. That's going to be a bit of a trend. Uh, so what's the second game we're looking at? Uh, the second game is Skyrim and and the Elder Scrolls in general. Uh, I So I've, I've never played it before, but I always wanted to because uh, Sky, I didn't really know about it until I guess it would have been my senior year of high school because... Uh, I was in choir all through high school, and uh, there was an acapella group. Uh, well, we had two acapella groups, and the guys' acapella group at my high school, uh, Skyrim came out my senior year, and they really wanted to sing the theme from Skyrim, uh, Sovngarde, and uh, they wanted to sing it for like concerts and like uh, and like like competitions and things. They didn't end up getting to sing it for competitions, but uh, our student teacher was able to make an arrangement that matched up Sovngarde with the song 16 Tons, which sounded really neat. Uh, and and all the stuff that I've seen with Skyrim, like the stuff that like Griffin does, Griffin McElroy, that is, does with Skyrim for Polygon, and all of the different like mods that I've seen for Skyrim, like and the Elder Scrolls in general, just make it seem like a really a really open world where you can pretty much play through the game with like any track you want. You don't have to be the straight up hero. You don't have to be the straight up villain. You can take a gray path. You can go and you can run around and collect all the cheese wheels in Skyrim. You can make dragons that look like Randy Savage. You can, (laughs) there people have invented like whole mods to prevent 
characters that they like from dying within the plot of the story. And even though, yes, like, Skyrim's had, like, 20 million versions of it come out with no new real content since, like, 2015, it still seems, the whole series seems like a really interesting game that I would love to get into at some point. Okay, yeah. Um, I have played Skyrim. I've played three of these Elder Scrolls games, Morrow and Oblivion and Skyrim, and oh man, yeah, you can do so much in there. You just kind of go. Oh yeah. And, and that's, that's... There's not a lot of games that do that as much anymore. I mean, even with some of the games that I'm going to talk about later today, it's a very, it's very like, well, you can kind of do whatever you want, but there's a definite like end point to this. Whereas with like, with the Elder Scrolls games, like, yeah, there's like an end to the main plot, but then there's like downloadable content and other quests that you can do, or you can just sit around and like build up your house like you're in Animal Crossing. Hey guys, Future Matt here cutting in real fast. We had some technical difficulties and so our conversation kind of jumps here and we're probably going to go over some of the same materials again, but uh, here, enjoy the rest of the show. So what are some other things just besides kind of like the free roaming that kind of draw you into the Elder Scrolls series? Well, uh, back when I was in high school, uh, Skyrim came out uh, during my senior year. And the men's acapella group at my high school uh, ended up, they really wanted to sing an arrangement of the main theme song for Skyrim, Sovngarde. So uh, our student teacher uh, made a mashup of Sovngarde with the song uh, 16 Tons. And the mashup was really great. Uh, but hearing the music for Skyrim made me really interested in the series as a whole. And I'm really interested in the Elder Scrolls and Skyrim in general because it's such an open world video game. Like there's not there's not a definitive endpoint. Like there's a there's definitely an endpoint to like the main plot, mm-hmm. but there's not an endpoint to the vid- to the actual gameplay experience as a whole. Okay. And there's so much that you can do with such an open world game like that. Like I mean, I know that people have done have made so many mods, like mods to make things less brown, mods hmm. to make uh, mods to make all the dragons into flying Randy Savages, uh, mods to make like characters that die during the during plot related quests not die because the mod makers liked them too much, and that versatility and sandbox feel is really interesting to me as someone who has an interest in video games. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's a, that's, I dig that. I dig that series. It's, it's some good stuff. And yeah, that music is real strong. Bethesda, Mm -hmm. Bethesda knows what they're doing when it comes to that music. Um, At least when it comes to music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Those games are buggy as all get out in some regards, but that music Mm -hmm. is on point. Yeah. They've had that same general theme since at least Morrowind and I think earlier, and they've just kind of layered it and added lore to it. It's really great. I'm also really impressed with how they made up the in, how they created an entire dragon language for it might you might be able to into this since I think you've got some experience with the Elder Scrolls. <laughs> Did they make up the dragon language just for Skyrim or was that an earlier thing? Uh, just for Skyrim is my understanding. Okay, and it's really cool. I like linguistics and I love fantasy languages, and their dragon their dragon script is. It's really fun to like try and say and sing and translate. 
It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's neat. It's some fun stuff, and they 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 did work with that. It's it's a good addition to the lore. So, what is our third game that we're talking about? All right, the third game is the Fallout series as a whole, mainly pertaining to uh, Fallout Three, Fallout New Vegas, and Fallout Four. Okay, since those are the more modern, the more the more modern and polished ones. Okay, and I I wasn't super aware, I guess, of Fallout before um, until like a couple of years ago. Um, but I've read a lot about it on the on like the wiki on TV tropes, and of course I know about uh, Fallout from the from Monster Factory with the final Pam, and <laughs> uh, and but I've never obviously played Fallout because my computer does not support it, or oh, at least I don't no. think I don't think I don't think it supports it. Oh no, it's so good. I mean, it seems like ninety five percent of like. Of like games that you can buy through Steam are not ones that you can play on a Mac, so yeah, at least yeah. not not without a lot of workarounds that I don't have the time and patience to put on my computer. That's a big part of why I prefer consoles for gaming. Just I know if I throw a disc into an Xbox, it's gonna play if it's an Xbox disc. So I mean, probably. Uh, okay, yeah, unless something catastrophic has happened, but yeah, Fallout Four is good times. Um. Okay, so what what are some of the things that really like draw you into Fallout? Things that you've seen with with the Fallout series, I think part of it is that it's it's definitely an more of an apocalyptic video game, an apocalyptic genre series, um, but it's not necessarily uh, a grim, dark apocalypse like as like has become so saturated in video games in movies in media and i mean the apocalypse like an apocalypse happening is in itself not a new not a new idea into mass media i mean god one of the earliest and probably oldest books that i own is a copy of alas babylon and which actually was my dad's first but i mean like that deals with like a nuclear apocalypse and so the notion in and of itself is not a new one, but I like how Fallout approaches it, that it's not necessarily like a like a total it's not a total world apocalypse and it's not like a just one town gets destroyed. It's kind of a spotty all over the globe situation, but it's only really focused on in the US with I think some influences from I think Russia and China. Mostly China, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's a great game. Like the 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 story behind it's real fun, and and I just genuinely love how how Bethesda just kind of took this uh, this idea of like, okay, well, an apocalypse happened, mm-hmm. people are dealing with it, and yeah. we're getting on with things. I also really appreciate like how they how they kind of approach how they kind of took like a sci-fi spin to it as well. Like there's not just and how there's such a heavy focus on like scavenging. Like scavenging and invent and inventing things. What are words? <laughs> uh, but like you have to go, how you have to go through and like build your own armor, build your own weapons. If things break, you have to fix them because there's like not. If your gun breaks, you have to find another gun, or you got to fix the one you have. And it's not just uh, it's not just like oh well, my weapon ran out of ammunition. I'm gonna just toss it away, uh, or I'm gonna go buy more pokeballs. It's like no, you have to make your own weapons. You have to yeah. cobble them together. 
Yeah, it's they've done some really interesting things with kind of that that genuine survivor simulation thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, New Vegas is pretty well derided because it had a lot of issues, and it's just kind of a weird side story mm-hmm. uh, in the series. But one of the things they did that was really neat was like a hardcore mode where mm-hmm. you had to drink water. Yeah, and like you, you had, didn't you like have you like you had to sleep, you had to eat. Mm-hmm. You, like, couldn't carry... Like, didn't they have, like, a really strict, like, weight-bearing limit? It... They they always do in those games, and this made it worse. Yeah. Where you would start to, like, lose stamina and things like that if you carried too much weight. It was really interesting. I hate playing it. It's it's like trying to play Dark Souls. It's just not... Never good. played that either. It's... That's just mean-spirited. That game is just mean-spirited. Uh, and that's kind of like what the Wasteland mode was on on new vegas but yeah these games are great and i know there are some people who have taken fallout 4 and have just said like i don't really want to play the game i just want to build a town Mm -hmm. and they can do that now yeah and it's the same kind of like open world sandboxy feel that uh like the elder scrolls series has where like you can you can kind of do whatever you want within a certain within certain boundaries like as long as you're not digging into the main engine of the game you can pretty much do whatever you want like you don't necessarily have to complete the main the main like series the main like quest within a certain number of days like i think you i think you still have to correct me if wrong but like you still have to do the main quest but it's not like a it's not uh you're you're in a hallway with with one door at e- one one door at one end and one door at the other end and there's no doors on either sides okay yeah yeah it's uh it's it's pretty open just in general it's a it's a great game it's a fun game i i really enjoy the the approach that they kind of took to like what societies look like after this total nuclear apocalypse happened like there's like the united states is in shambles which is not so far off from reality but they've got uh but, like, they've got, like, different governments that are set up. People are establishing their own towns and, like, a smaller regional government that sometimes operates, depending on which game, under, like, a larger government or uh, or, an organization, or an organization that's trying to take over the smaller hamlets. And, but, like, it's, and, like, there's marauders and there's, I think they're, they're called, like, raiders and how it's... It's an interesting look at like how societies might function after an apocalypse too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's one of the one of my favorite things is like sometimes uh, signs have become like signs have been ruined and have become like the names of towns. Like there's a town called Novak mm-hmm. in one game that yeah. got its name from uh, the few letters hanging on a no vacancy sign. Yeah, from a hotel and like one place in uh, Fallout Four, which takes place in Boston. So it's built in like the middle of this baseball diamond, and that inspired their culture. Yeah, like the places where they settled, where they gathered after the apocalypse, inspired their culture. It's really great. It's really interesting. Um, so what is our fourth game? All right, the fourth game is the Space Quest series, which I know maybe the least about, but I've seen a lot of. If that makes sense. I feel like that's probably going to be true for most of our listeners, too. This is probably the most obscure of the games on the list. I'm not... 
my my knowledge of the Space Quest series pretty much comes from uh, watching the from watching Dan Avedon play it on the Game Grumps. Um, partially because he's done, he's played two of the Space Quest games in just like super long videos, which are really great to, great to listen to when I'm trying to like work on art stuff or like <laughs> cleaning or cooking or something because it he because he's got a nice voice and it's a nice chill playthrough, and the game is interesting enough that I'm that I'm like paying attention to it and not focusing on I hate scrubbing dishes, uh, but it's not it's not like enthralling enough that I'm focusing on it and not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me about Space Quest. Uh, from what I know about Space Quest uh, is that it uh, it's from a very small, well, not small as much, um, but a smaller studio. And it was, especially, it was especially, like, a lot of them came out in, it was by Sierra Games, and a lot of them came out in, like, the late 80s, probably, probably, like, in the early 90s, too. Um, but the Space Quest series focuses on um, focuses on a janitor and his adventures that he kind of stumbles into across the galaxy, and uh, and it's and my interest in Space Quest is that it's such it's a really unique narrative. It's not necessarily a Star Wars esque chosen one goes in across a search in the galaxy to destroy an evil empire. It's Rob Wilco, a janitor who gets left, who gets, who is the only survivor of a, an attack on his spaceship and has to go and try and save people and, <laughs> and never gets any real reward because people are like, oh, well, you're just a janitor. Okay. That's pretty great. I, I grew up with a lot of the Sierra games when I was a kid. Those were some of my first and those are some good games, but man, there are some dumb games that they came out with, but so good. Really foundational stuff. Yeah. I'm also really impressed with um how with like the graphics because even though it's very early in like video game development, uh even though it looks archaic compared to like normal games like Overwatch and the Elder Scrolls um, it's got some really beautiful pixel art, which, as an artist, I appreciate. Yeah, and, I mean, look, that was their medium. That was all well, they yeah. had to work That's with. That's what they it's... had to work with, and they did a good job with it, and it still holds up, for the most yeah. part. Yeah, there there are, I mean, look, it's, it's, there's a big reason why that pixel art has come back as, like, the retro look for my mm-hmm. generation, effectively. Um, oh, bones turn into dust over here. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it's because we grew up with that, and man, people got real good at pixel art. Oh yeah. When, when all you have is a pixel to paint with, you, you get really good at making pictures. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that what even else? extends to some of the some of the earlier Pokemon games too. Like, oh there's, yeah. Like, how do you portray depth in when you only have like six colors to work with? The answer is you get creative. Listen, Charmander should not look as good as he does for those <laughs> levels of graphics. Uh, yeah. No, you, it's, they they did some miracles with some bricks and mud. Oh, yeah. So, what else is it about Space Quest? Is there, is there anything else that kind of stands out for you for this game, or? Well, part of it is that it's the only real game that I have, that I'm, that I'm aware of, that has a lot, that has a big emphasis on text-based play. Um, I mean, there are some video, there are some video games nowadays that are more text-based, but, with Space Quest, it's a there's a lot of descriptions, and then you can go 
so many ways within the game, even though it is primarily text-based, and you still got the visuals of the game itself to aid you, but then you have to enter in commands with, you know, the with arrow keys and everything and and commit actions through the text, which is really interesting to me, um, especially as uh, recently I've I am working on uh, making a essentially text-based Pokemon system and trying to figure out how would that play out through text messaging. So it's okay. been very, very helpful as I try to think about how would I set this up? How would I run this game? Okay. Yeah, I, this this is one of those games where they started to bridge over from text-based to you know audio and things like that and incorporate more technology in. But yeah, there's that... Uh, that was a that was a development I don't mind seeing go by the wayside personally. I never got into Zork. I always got eaten by the Gru in the dark. Uh, that's a joke for a very specific generation of gamer. Um, I am aware of Zork. I just have never played it. <laughs> Not many people have actually played it. Most people have died in the darkness. Um, yeah. It, all text based. I I did when I this will show my age. Uh, I was in a couple of. Uh, MUDs back in the heyday of the internet, uh, multi-user dungeons that were all text-based MMOs, and that's about as much of a nightmare as you think it is, listener. <laughs> uh, probably a little bit more. Um, if you want a fun one, go to homestarrunner.com and okay. dig up Peasant's Quest. Okay. My knowledge of Homestar is pretty much Trogdor and Strong Bad, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, Strong Bad kind of inspired it. Uh, I don't know, was it Peasant's Quest? There was, it might have been Peasant's Quest. There was there was a game that was like a text-based game that I actually fleshed out into a full, mostly full game. It's very fun. Um, all right, so what is our last game? All right, the last game is Undertale. Okay, uh, this is the uh, everybody is best friends and you can win by the power of love game, right? I mean that describes a lot of video games, but this is the one where the this is the one with the skeleton brothers. Okay. Um, part of my one of the things that has that has piqued my interest in Undertale is that its creator gave a copy of the game to Pope Francis, and I am Catholic, and I was like, "You gave Pope Francis a video game. This must be a really good video game." <laughs> and also, I'm I'm and also I have been on Tumblr for god like six years and so i saw the the surgeons in undertale once it was released and everyone was obsessed with it and is still obsessed with it uh maybe not as much anymore but how it's still prevalent nowadays yeah it kind of took over the internet there for a little bit didn't it it did so what are uh what are some of the parts of undertale that really interest you what what's what's part of the draw there with undertale a big interest for me is how part of it is my own reaction to it um because undertale has such a big emphasis on morality and the consequences of your actions and although i really would like to play it i'm afraid to because i really i i know i I know pretty much more i know more or less what happens in the game and i really don't want to i don't want to play it and then screw something up and make the characters sad (laughs) <laughs> and and that it inspires that kind of a reaction in me is uh is really interesting because there's not many there's not many video games nowadays like at that like ask you to seriously consider the consequences of your actions. I mean like in in 
and pretty much every other game that we've talked about today, like if you make a mistake, oh, you can just turn off the game and re and start your last save file. But you can't do that in Undertale because the game itself will yell at you. And yeah, you can't I've heard like that. And you can't like if you try to restart a file after you get the best ending, like the game like guilt like the game automatically starts turning sadder and that and that um i think his name's toby the guy who made undertale that he made such a like if there were a video game that was that was ever to become self-aware i feel like undertale would be the first one to achieve sentience that's a little terrifying well i mean because it has such a strong morality system and like a conscience and like just like and how and how your actions affect the way that like the other characters interact with you and the options that you have to progress in the game and what ending you get there's something like six or seven different endings i think that you can get in undertale and i've heard of people that like play through undertale and they get like the best golden ending and then they like put the like they like put that game on like a flash drive or something and they like put it in a locked box like never play this again because everyone's happy now and okay. i don't want to mess that up <laughs> that pe people get so attached to these characters uh and it also has a great cast of characters which we could talk about in a second but that it inspires such loyalty and empathy from the players is also so interesting and that's that's very special like in a lot of morality games you'll have people that are just like oh, okay well i played the good way now i'm gonna yeah. go play the evil way and see what happens mm -hmm. but it's not it's not an empathy thing it's like i just want to see what the story does yeah and with undertale once you do that there's really no going back like the game remembers <laughs> See, that's just, like, the instant I figured out that this game was going to remember, even, like, in other playthroughs, I'd be like, no, I'm out. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why I, why, I am, why I love it, and I don't want to play it, because I don't want to ruin things. <laughs> See, my problem is, uh, I'll play the good side, and then I'll go play the bad side of any game that has a morality track like that, mm -hmm. and I'll just go buck wild. Because it's yeah. that whole, like, there are literally zero consequences in my real life if I decide to knife everyone in this game world. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go knife them. Like, I'm playing Dishonored 2, and I played about five minutes of the good side, and it's like, I just want to stab everyone in this game. I'm gonna do that, and then come back and play the story. Okay. Because that's the kind of monster I am. But... That's, listen, it goes, well, out, I mean, it goes in video games, you not are in real life. consulting GM. So, uh, yeah, listen, I bring that, I bring that, that madness to, uh, <laughs> D&D tables too. It's fine. Uh, so tell me about the characters of Undertale. Um, so again, since I've never played it, this is going to be a little bit spotty in places. So I apologize, listener, if I'm screwing up your favorites. Um, I know the main character, uh, you get to name the main, you get to name the main character and then that plays a role in the story. Um, you get to play a main character who is a human child that, like, essentially falls down, like, falls down the cone of a volcano into a monster world. And then has to figure out how to get home. Uh, and this kid is just super cute. Um, I'm pretty sure that this kid is also non-binary. So that in itself is pretty cool, too. Okay. Um, I know there's uh, there's two monsters, uh, Tori uh, Toriel and um, 
I think his name's like Asphale or something like that. Um, uh, who are essentially like giant like goat bear people. And I know that Toriel is a mother and like protects the protagonist and essentially like runs the tutorial to get them set up. And apparently she makes like cinnamon butterscotch pie, which sounds really good. Um, oh no, Asgore is the king. Um, and he apparently has a lot of drama going on with him. And then there's the skeleton brothers, uh, Papyrus and Sans. Um, and Papyrus is almost universally loved within the fandom, even though he's named after one of the worst typefaces in existence. Uh, it's just no, overused. I'm not salty. It's just overused. Uh, a lot. Great. Agree to disagree. Um, but they're living skeletons, and Sans has... Uh, he Sometimes he has two eyes, sometimes he has one eye, and he's always in, like, a like a hoodie and, like, house slippers. And, and I know the Papyrus cooks spaghetti, and that he wants to be a royal guard, but that he's too friendly to do the job. Okay. Um... There's a there's a fish lady named uh, I think Undine, um, who is, I I think her character description could be pretty much just everything turned up to eleven. She seems very extreme in her emotions. <laughs> um, there's a talking flower. Um, there is a there's a guy named there's a kid named Monster Kid who is, uh, who is a cute monster with no arms and like a little like dinosaur tail and is super cute um there's and i think the last one out of the main characters is alphys and she's a kind of lizardy scientist who is also a giant weeb and and i and to be and to benefit undertale like i don't think i've ever seen like like universally like a like a character that's been universally hated by the fandom within undertale like no one's like, uh, I hate Joe. Joe is the worst. It's like no, everyone everyone has different degrees of love for this cast of characters, which is super interesting. That is real cool. Like normally there's always someone who's just hated in a game. Oh yes, and it's usually one of the women characters. No, I'm not salty. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what are some what are some other things about Undertale? Is anything else we need to talk about on that game? Well, the the, the music for Undertale is ridiculously good. Um, like I've seen, uh, and I mean, part of it is like the music, like the names for the music are also great. But like, there's, um, I think it's called Megalomania. It's um, one that plays, I think, near the end of the game. But it's this really awesome. Like all of it is kind of all of it's kind of like chip tuney, um, but this one track Megalomania is it's very it's very intense and it's one of those songs where like you hear it kick on and then immediately like I'm I'm gonna go fight someone I'm gonna go destroy an evil villain's hideout I'm gonna and not let anyone stop in the way I'm gonna I'm gonna burst through walls like Wonder Woman and like I've seen people do like a Dance Dance Revolution track to this piece of music and it's incredible but then at the same time like it sounds really cool if you slow it down by half when you're like listening to it on youtube and then it turns into like an epic rock song nice which is which is super rad um 
And so the music is great. Um, I'm impressed with the art style and the character designs as well. Um, par for the course. Uh, and there's, and part of it is also like the, part of what I also like about Undertale is how there's been so many different like fan interpretations of it. Like people have come up with like whole universes of fan on for this video game based on like, oh, well, like what hap what would the world be like if this happened? And then let's flesh out that narrative. Or what if we took this track instead and then fleshed that out? And okay. and there's such a world that's been inspired by this. And and also how and I'm also really impressed with the dedication that the creator Toby put into this. Like to develop a whole video game with and compose music and like write a game engine that is more or less self-aware like more or less on your own is just it's mind-blowing to me yeah that's that's that dude did a lot of quality work on this game it's very cool um yeah if you if you haven't if you haven't played any of these games maybe go give them a shot or at least watch uh let's plays on youtube of them oh yeah that's what i do because my computer doesn't do those things (laughs) Uh, Christina, thank you once again for coming out. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun, except for the computer dying part. So sorry about the slight gap in the audio, which I'm sure that Matt will be editing out. I'm going to do something. We'll see. Um, Maybe I'll put in some more of that chocobo noise from from the Final Fantasy episode. Uh, I have that that saved, Alan. I have that saved (laughs) as its own track that I can just bust out whenever I need to now. Um, Aww. Yeah, listen, he gave me the perfect the perfect bleep <laughs> noise, so just gonna use that forever. Um, Christina, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, people can find me on the internet on uh, on my Twitter, which is where I am a lot of the times, which is just uh, C Woods Art. Uh, I'm also on uh, Instagram and Tumblr at uh, Christina Woods Art on both of those, and I think that's pretty much it for my social media um yeah i was like oh i could tell you about my power rangers legacy war account but that's not really a social media so ask her about it and it's kind of a trash game but ask her about it on twitter and y'all can y'all can punch each other with power rangers um well christina thank you once again for coming on and we're gonna have you back soon to do the uh to do part two of the web comics yeah, I am looking forward to that. Got my notes already written up for that instead of ad-libbing it like today. <laughs> well, it's been fun regardless. Thank you. See y'all next week. Bye. You can find us on the internet at fifthdraw.com, follow us on Twitter at fifthdraw, or email us at social at fifthdraw.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Hoodley. If you enjoyed this episode, why not give us a rating and a review? Or maybe tell a friend. Getting the word out helps us immensely. Our music is Arcade Montage by Lee Roosevelt and can be found at the Free Music Archive. That's all for this week. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode. And hey, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>